I only got 12 pages of the script, and when I read it, I couldn't figure it out. I said, is this like a parody, like a Mel Brooks thing? Because the person who told me about it was Robert England. He'd already been up for it, and he didn't get cast. He said, did you go out for that, uh, uh, bar, uh, the, the movie Lucas is doing? I said, the guy who did graffiti? He said, yeah, he's doing some kind of like uh, Flash Gordon movie. You know, there's a line in it that I've remembered all these years later, because it's in the screen test. I later went down and I did a video screen test. We're in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. And here's the actual line, but we can't turn back. Fear is their greatest defense. I, I, I doubt if the actual security there is any greater than it was on Aquilae or Sullis. And what there is is most likely directed towards a large scale assault. Because I kept pumping George. I said, George, is this like, like, like supposed to be like kind of a comedy or is it? Serious or well, um, well, let, let's just do it. And we'll, we'll talk about it later. Star Wars fans and move milkers everywhere, welcome to episode number 62 of Blast Points. This is Jason. Hey, and it's Gabe too. This week, yeah, we're going to be in a little bit talking about the really incredible Star Wars screen test footage that is out there. Some amazing stuff in there. But first, there's always the news. Uh, this week we had some Han Solo movie news. Han Solo. 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 Photographic news. <laughs> so about a week ago, we got our first look at the whole cast of the um, upcoming, still untitled Han Solo movie. The cast and the directors, which kind of confused me for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was totally confused. When I first saw the photo, I was like, okay, yep, 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 yep. Wait a minute. Who are those two guys? I kind of knew what they looked like, so I thought maybe it was them, but I kind of thought they were older than <laughs> they look. <Yeah. laughs> so I was just really, yeah, I had to look it up. But you got uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge in there, who may or may not be playing a CG character now. Yeah, she may or may not be CG in that photo, too. <laughs> who, yeah. who knows? You got uh, Amelia Clark. Uh, you got Donald Glover. Uh, Woody Harrelson, looking wild. Yeah, I think that's he's he's the only one in costume. <laughs> with his space hoodie, his blue squadron hoodie, <laughs> General Merrick tribute hoodie. Yeah, Alden Ehrenreich, who I was really into his kind of shaggy Han Solo esque hairdo. He's kind of got going on there. Yeah, and his Indiana Jones jacket <laughs> a little bit. And then you got Chewbacca in the back, looking good. Yeah, Chewbacca's looking real good. Who they confirmed that Chewbacca is going to be played. Officially by the guy from Force Awakens, Jonas. How do you pronounce his last name? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even try. He's just the new Chewbacca guy. <laughs> He's new Baca. <laughs> new Baca. Not the old Baca. <laughs> nope. The new Baca. So kind of crazy, though. Does that mean that Peter Mayhew isn't even doing like the... Like the close-up shots like he was in Force Awakens? That that was kind of how I was reading it, is that they kind of passed the torch, and it's a, he's the new he's Chewbacca now. It's kind of how I took it. Wow, that's crazy. Um, 
but it kind of seems like a better way to do it than, you know, Peter Mayhew dying halfway through filming or something, you know, and then there's that whole like, oh, no. I, I think I've said on the show before, one of my favorite Chewie moments in The Force Awakens is that one part at the near the end when he's in the cockpit of the Falcon and he just looks over at Ray. Yeah. And you can tell that that's Peter Mayhew in there. And I wonder if things like that will be missed or if we'll even be able to tell the difference. Who knows? Basically, this movie is recasting Han Solo and Lando. Why not start fresh with new Chewie, too? True. It just seems like it all kind of goes together at this point where it's it's a fresh start and it's a younger Chewie. So why not have the younger Chewie in the suit? The other thing with Han movie news was, with the photo, we got the official word of the May 25th, 2018 release date, just five months after The Last Jedi. I still don't believe that's real. The more I think about it, it just I think I'm spoiled now with Star Wars Christmas, and then I'm just trying to think about like a crazy summer where there's two Marvel movies and a DC movie and... How is there room for a Star Wars movie? Like, Rogue One came out in December. It's still fresh. And then if we were looking at, seriously, in about two, three months from now, another Star Wars movie coming out in theaters. Yeah. Like, that's a situation we'll be in in about a year. Because it is nice, I think, with the end of the year thing, too, where it's like you basically have a good month to just go see it over and over again. Without, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like you're missing out on some other new movie coming out. Yeah, and then we'd have to wait extra long for nine, which is even dumb saying that, though, because back in the day with the prequels, you had to wait three years. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's like, oh, man, I got to wait. Well, unless unless nine goes back to May, like if they get Han back in May, then maybe then they're going to want to just have Star Wars in May again. So we finally got some info on Rogue One coming out on Blu-ray. April 4th on Blu-ray, digital March 24th. Tons of different uh, retail exclusive versions. Tons of pretty cool sounding bonus features. No commentary and no deleted scenes. What? At least this time, <laughs> there's a th- one of the versions is 3D, I think. True. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I miss Lucasfilm's Blu-ray DVD releases. Because, yeah, a lot of the covers are really cool, but I don't know that I want to have to buy <laughs> five different versions and none of them have commentary. Yeah. Because, yeah, it just makes me nervous now that if there is things not on this version, then will there be a second version with deleted scenes and commentary then? If any Star Wars movie was kind of asking for deleted scenes, I think yeah. it could be Rogue One. Yeah, because people have seen them. <laughs> in the trailer they're like there's so many there I don't know I'm happy with it anyways just cause you know we love Star Wars bonus features we love featurettes and documentaries mm-hmm. they got two minutes of Neil Scanlon walking through the creature shop showing you a rattus head I'm fine. Yeah. They'll be <laughs> like more, more off climbing some stairs or something. And it'll be, all the all the pain of will go away and we filled with joy. But we'll see. I may just buy the digital version this time, though. Really? I'm thinking about it because then I get it early. And then when the inevitable second version on Blu-ray comes out, then I could buy that. Because I still haven't gotten the second Force Awakens. Have you? No, I'm waiting for it to go dirt cheap. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I think if I didn't buy a physical copy of a Star Wars movie and just be weird and be able to put it on the shelf next to the other ones, I think I would like get the shakes or something. Some of the packaging is really cool, though. And I, I even like, like with my Force Awakens that has the Blu-ray and the DVD and the digital. So that if, you know, my house burns well, down and my Blu-ray player melts, <laughs> it's like I can still find a DVD player. And if I have no house... And no clothes, I can still watch The Force Awakens naked. Well, that's how they get you, too, because it's like, that's what I did last time. It's like, you get the digital version if you buy the disc, so it's kind of silly to buy the digital version, other than that you get it a week early. That's true. 
do like the one. I can't remember what store has it that comes with all the different covers, and you can put whatever cover you want in yeah. the in the package. Yeah, it's the Target one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's got a big, a sweet saw picture. So <laughs> the whole movie's about saw people. Yeah, you're right. It's like it's like the the Hong Kong Cannibal Run DVD that has Jackie Chan on the cover. <laughs> one day we'll get Jackie Chan in a in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I hope so. It's gotta happen. Maybe in the All Saw Guerrero story, the All Saw. A Saw Wars story. <laughs> you saw it coming. <laughs> 2020. Jackie, is it really you? <laughs> well, if they do, if they do the, if they do the Han Solo uh, Cannonball Run space race, then they could have Jackie Chan be a pilot. And they should. And Saw Guerrero could be there. Him and the two two tubes. <laughs> the Cannonball Run. Cannonball. Cannonball. I feel like every Wednesday now with the Star Wars show is how we're getting uh, celebration news. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. And we got um, some more celebration news this last week. Star Wars celebration, what's up? We found out that Celebration on Thursday is going to kick off with a giant 40th anniversary tribute panel featuring Kathleen Kennedy, hosted by Warwick Davis, and um, the thing that got everybody all worked up was the promise of surprises. (laughs) So shortly after this announcement came out, everybody got in a hubbub about the, the theory that perhaps the surprise could be an announcement of in pre-special edition version of the original trilogy coming back out. I don't know, Gabe. What, before we get too into it, what do you think? It's always going to be one of those things that until I see something from Lucasfilm saying they're going to do it in a picture of like the disc. (laughs) It's really not worth even thinking about. It could happen, but it's probably not going to happen and it's not worth losing any sleep over. I mean, I would love maybe like when they, when they put back out Raiders of the Lost Ark in IMAX a few years back for one week, if maybe the original Star Wars played in theaters, IMAX or whatever, Maybe just for one week, just to celebrate the 40th anniversary. So people, young people who've never seen it in a theater could see it maybe the way, the best way to watch that movie in a, on the big screen with an audience. I think that would be cool. I would, it would be cool someday if it happens and if it's, you know, when they make the thousand dollar box set with anything and everything they have, throw it in there, you know, with the hundred hours of footage from the beginning documentary that we haven't seen (laughs) (laughs) they could put all the versions of star wars in that but the original trilogy theatrical would be nice again since we we got promised that with the 3d re-releases and we never got to see that so Mm -hmm. for the that would make sense for 40th anniversary to bring those back to the theater even if it's a special edition it's the 20th anniversary of that right so there were a couple avenues shooting this theory down though uh pablo hidalgo said on twitter there's only one person who could make this happen, and he hasn't seemed all that interested. I just like seeing people try to figure out who that person was. <laughs> like, who could it be? The wizardry of George Lucas. <laughs> it's, the, it's the dentist. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> they try calling him. George, we, you know, we have this idea for the 40th anniversary. George, yeah. George, not, George isn't here. He's... yeah. There's his, there's his butler. Yeah. <laughs> George, we know it's you. He just he only hires butlers that sound just like him. I made a clone. There's just George. <laughs> George Lucas. <laughs> I did like when Pablo said it was the 20th anniversary of that rumor, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Digital Bits had a great article. They had some maniac... That was at a special event at Ohio State University, a presentation called the Animation Restoration at Walt Disney Studios, which, how do these things happen, like, in towns? 
animation restoration panels at colleges. That's where I want to go to. Yeah. There was a guy there named Theo Gluck, and he reported that the only original cut negative for the film that currently exists exists in the special edition configuration only. And in addition, 20th Century Fox's senior vice president of library and technical services, Sean Belston, was also on hand, and he confirmed that all the trims removed from the original cut negative still exist. But essentially what they're saying is what they would have to do to make a high-quality version of any kind of pre-1997 version, it would have to be reassembled. And I think right. that's kind of what Pablo's saying, where they're not going to do that without George Lucas, and he's not doing it. Because it would probably require another audio mix and all kinds of stuff, too. So unless it's in his will when he dies, they can do it. <laughs> or it's in his will when he dies, all the negatives catch on fire. <laughs> He's got like a, a bracelet on that tracks his heart rate, and when his heart stops, the <laughs> negatives go up in flames. The like predator countdown on his on his uh, wristband. Party's over. It's not going to happen. <laughs> The one thing I went away with the the celebration announcement that came out last Wednesday got completely overshadows was was the announcement that Rancho Obi Wan is going to be back with a huge amount of space and they're going to be recreating uh, a kid's bedroom from like 1977. Oh, I did I missed that. Yeah, so I read that and I was like, an alter trilogy, schmum alter trilogy. Give me that Rancho Obi Wan kid's bedroom. That's yeah. what I'm into. Well, they let us lay in the bed. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap. Night-night. Oh, he fell. He's having his sand sleep. <laughs> For the 40th panel, could the secret surprise be Lucas showing up again? I read that, too. And I believe that happening more than um, an unaltered trilogy. But that would be cool if Lucas came out and gave the whole thing his blessing, you know? Just because, you know, he did do a celebration before. He's done a couple of the celebrations before. Mm -hmm. And now it's all sold to Disney, but if it's all about the 40th anniversary of the original. They lowered George Lucas down from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. It's me. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. It's uh, Truth is that we are clones. He's a clone. I'm a clone. The only one that's not a clone is Rick. We tried to clone him, but we couldn't. He's one yeah. of a kind. The molds broke too fast. <laughs> as awesome as that would be, there would be about 75% of the crowd who would walk out being pissed off that there still wasn't the announcement <laughs> of an unaltered. <laughs> yeah. Get those Rontos out of there. Uh, yeah. There's always next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Far, far away. The adventures of Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Han Solo did not end with the destruction of the Death Star. Now, the Empire strikes back, and the Star Wars saga continues with the struggle against the dark forces of evil. Read the exciting story in Sphere Paperback. Hear John Williams' magnificent score on RSO records and tapes. See The Empire Strikes Back, Certificate U. At the Odeon Leicester Square from Wednesday, May the 21st. An exclusive presentation in 70mm and Dolby Stereo. Book now. Speaking of the anniversary of the of the first, the original Star Wars, sometimes it's, it's, it's really fascinating to think about the different avenues that that movie could have gone down in terms of the, especially just the cast. Like, we could have had a completely different kind of movie and almost did. And would that movie have resonated with people as well as the version we got? And it, it's it's so crazy to think of because you think of, like, these characters and the actors that play them. I mean, that was so clear back in December with, um, with Carrie Fisher that the line between Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher 
you know, and they were very close to each other. Well, and then the fact that Han and Leia and Luke being in the new films 40 years later, too, that they, they've been that character for 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, who else could have been that character for 40 years if, if all went the same with just different casting? So they auditioned a ton of different people for the main parts. And for a good chunk of these people, they, um, they videotaped it. And this footage still exists out there. And you can watch it. It's on YouTube. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing, pretty fascinating stuff. And it's, it's also fascinating, the history of when these audition tapes, um, when it took place in Star Wars history. So it was three days. It was December 12th, 15th, and 30th. And these interviews took place at the uh, the American Zoetrope offices up in San Francisco, which was the the little mini film studio started by uh, Francis Coppola. And it was a crazy time for George Lucas and the production of Star Wars because this is right around when ILM was really starting to get its legs, starting to work. Um, George Lucas, he his the script was far from done. He'd be at ILM for about 12 hours a day, going over storyboards. Right before these auditions took place, the the final version of the Millennium Falcon was finally built by Joe Johnston and folks. So the movie was really kind of just starting to take form, and it was about three months away from starting filming. Because the first day of filming was March 22nd, 1976. So four months from the beginning of filming in Tunisia. Yeah, that seems like that's cutting it pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> so they did these casting calls there in San Francisco. A ton of people turned out. So a guy, Fred Roos, who was pretty much Coppola's casting director, he did all the casting for The Godfather, really wanted Harrison Ford for the part of Han Solo. And he tried to tell Lucas this, and Lucas was like, oh, I already worked with him on graffiti. So he hired Solo, or he hired Harrison Ford to come fix a door at the at an office at Zoetrope, and then he was just like, "Oh well, you're here. Why don't you read with some of these actors so they have somebody to read against?" Fixing a door got him the part, and then a door fell on him and crushed his leg. <laughs> yeah, or and he didn't even want to audition for Star Wars. He didn't even want to be there in the first place. Yeah. So, on the first day of December 12th, the actors that auditioned were Kurt Russell, Patty D'Arbonville, Richard Dorn, Terry Nunn. Then on the 15th, Kurt Russell came back. Then you had a guy, Chris Moe, Amy Irving tried out, Christopher Allport, Terry Nunn, Will Seltzer. And then finally, on the 30th, Terry Nunn came back for Leia. You had Robbie Benson, and then two people called Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher were some of the last people to audition. And there's a ton of people, too. Christopher Walken auditioned for Han Solo, but there's not footage of that. Yeah, it's interesting that this these videos have been around for a long time and that none of the other stuff has kind of showed up over the years. Mm-mm. Because like, because you had a tape of this stuff since when? Forever. Yeah, I have a VHS tape. I must have gotten in the 90s at some point. Yeah, so if it's been floating around for 20 years, like where where is the other footage? Unless it was destroyed, but how did people get this footage? I don't know. I mean, when I got a VHS tape of these auditions, I thought at a Comic-Con and being like, wait a minute, is this really this? What's on? What you're saying is on this? And at that point, I'd never seen these before ever, and it was mind-blowing. And it still kind of is. Yeah, I think it's still, you know, I've watched bits and pieces, but this is really the first time I sat and watched all... 90 minutes of it and (laughs) it's kind of fun because you kind of get in the mindset where I can't imagine being a casting person or being a director of a movie and sitting and having to be there watching this stuff Mm -hmm. because it is kind of like puts you in a trance after a while hearing the same lines over and over again from different people or the same people it's amazing they ever even pick anybody and it's so hard to watch it too because like when Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford or Carrie Fisher come on and they're saying these lines, we're so familiar with it that they're just like, well, yeah, that sounds right because that's what I know these characters to be like. But there are glimmers throughout these auditions where you can be like, no, I can see that. Like, you're like, I can see this person as Carrie, as, as Carrie, as, (laughs) as Princess Leia. 
She's a better Carrie Fisher than Carrie Fisher. <laughs> so you had Ben Burt working the camera on these, and sometimes you can hear Ben Burt off screen, and sometimes really awesomely you can hear George Lucas. Okay, that's good. Super quiet, Lucas. Good night. Um, so the first person you see in this uh, this audition footage, which we'll we'll post this audition, the, the whole block of audition footage on our uh, on the Blast Points Facebook page, um, so you can watch it for yourself too. But the first person you see in the footage is Mark Hamill. Yeah, and you're like, this guy's great. <laughs> She's part of the royal family. They won't get any information from her. She knows the art of mind control. Still, she is our only link between us and the hidden bases. You're saying that we should follow them? No, I didn't say that, but it appears to be a logical alternative. No, no, that's impossible. They're in Alderaan. Nobody, I mean nobody, dares venture near the Alderaan system. Listen, I'm freebooter, not a revolutionary. You're on the wrong ship, son. Maybe the fact that no one would venture there voluntarily could work to our advantage. They probably don't think anyone would dare try. Don't you believe it? Fear is their greatest defense. I doubt if the actual security there is much greater than on Aquilae or Sullis, and what there is is most likely directed towards a large-scale assault. This is not a game, you know. (laughs) He would make a really good Luke Skywalker. (laughs) He's got it. You know, and one thing I got the sense of when watching these auditions, and we'll talk about this a lot, is to, to do well... In a Star Wars movie, you have to get your mouth around Lucas speak. Yes. Some people can do it, and some people can't. Mark Hamill can. Fear is their greatest weapon. I'm not afraid of anything. Okay, good. It's interesting, too, to see the people who can get their mouth around it and not be looking at the script, too. Yes. Mark Hamill can rattle off the line, she knows the art of mind control. (laughs) Like nobody's business. Yep. And Mark Hamill's um, screen test for Luke is interesting, too, because he's he's way more kind of subdued than 1977 A New Hope Star Wars Luke Skywalker. He's not all, what's that flashing? Yeah. The faster and more intense hadn't happened yet. Yeah. Although then later in the video when we get to some of the some of them get very fast and very intense. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. There's a couple wild ones in there. He's um, he, uh, Mark Hamill. He's reading with Harrison Ford in this, and I like uh, <laughs> like Harrison Ford at one point says, "There's only one Wookiee in the show, though." Yeah. Right? Harrison knows best. <laughs> the overall like sleepy grumpiness of Harrison Ford through all these editions, uh, like auditions, is priceless. Yeah, well, that's I think one thing I was really surprised to see is how much Harrison Ford is pretty much Han already. Yeah. You know, and like we had talked about, maybe Han Solo and Harrison Ford really are the same person because (laughs) he had the character down this whole thing. And it's like, if he really didn't want to be there, maybe where the whole character came from. Because, yeah, it sounds like you're just watching outtakes from A New Hope whenever Han Han Solo, whenever Harrison Ford's doing lines. He's pretty much like constantly, do I have to read this? Okay. (laughs) And then he nails it, you know. Yeah, maybe that's just Harrison Ford, I guess. Yeah, he he yeah, and that's what I think was really impressive to see is he does kind of nail it every over and over and over again. <laughs> Checks out again. There's no mistake. You can't find Organa Major. I found it. It just isn't there. Organa Major has been destroyed. What's left of it's completely contaminated. That's it. There. Look at those radiation readouts. I've never seen anything like it. It's impossible. What's going on? Let's talk about Terry Nunn trying out for Leia. And supposedly she was very close to playing the part of Princess Leia. Because doesn't she show up later on? She came back on the 15th and the 30th for more auditions. So after her first try, they brought her back both times until Carrie Fisher showed up. You might know Terry Nunn from the group Berlin. Oh, really? Yeah. Kind of like where she went on to uh, 
get her claim to fame. She was the singer in Berlin. But she's good. I mean, she's very Leia. You know, I actually didn't like her at all. Really? <laughs> I think she she seemed too 70s. Hmm. Okay. And just kind of like... She was too goofy for me. They're going to follow us. They'll destroy your hidden bases. Yeah. They'll destroy the whole system. Right. I know they'll follow, and they'll bring the Death Star, too. But our only hope is to destroy it before it destroys us. Right? Hiding is useless now. Look, with the Death Star, they will continue to destroy systems until they've found us. So we have no alternative but to process the information and use it while there's still time. Okay, great. And I think maybe it's because I'm so used to Carrie Fisher's a little more regal, bossy, more attitude Leia that her kind of laid back, I don't know, 70s Leia, I, I didn't like it. I was kind of into it, but I could see that. I could see that. What's the little droid carrying that's so important? Okay, the plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Now... Our only hope in destroying it is to find its weakness, which we'll do from the data I stored in R2. Okay, now we captured the plans in a raid on the Imperial shipyards, but we fell under attack before I could get the data to safety, so I hid it in R2 and sent them off. Now, now let's talk about Lisa Ellibacher, who's up next. Now, Lisa went, Lisa went on to star in Beverly Hills Cop, everybody's favorite underwater horror movie, Leviathan, and the amazing Charles Bronson movie, Ten to Midnight, which, weirdly, a lot of these Star Wars auditions have a Ten to Midnight connection, which we'll get into more later. But She wasn't bad, but she's one of the people who can't put their mouth around Lucas speak, I think. Yes, she has a very tough time with the Lucas speak. She seems to, in, in the Leia lines that are more normal human talk, she is doing fine, but as soon as she hits that Lucas speak, it kind of falls away. All the data banks in R2 are still secure. Well, then I think we're due the reward you offered. And I hope it'll be substantial considering what we've been through already. Well, when, da- when, R- when R2 has been safely delivered to my forces, you'll get your reward. You have my guarantee. What's the little droid carrying that's so blasted important? The plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Our only hope in destroying it is to find its weakness, which we shall determine from the data I've stored in R2. We captured the plans on a raid on the Imperial shipyards, but we fell under attack before I could get the data to safety. So I hid it in this, so I hid it in this R2 unit and sent him off. Yeah, but I think she did have more of the similar attitude as as what we ultimately got with Carrie Fisher. It's fun to hear people say Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> all the different ways. I've given the coordinates to Chewbacca. <laughs> now up next, reading for the part of Luke is Robbie Benson, who you probably know as the voice of the Beast and Beauty and the Beast, but he also was in 70s classics like Ice Castles and uh, The Chosen, movies that played on HBO, never-endingly, if you grew up in the 1980s. Robbie Benson's weird. Yeah, he was kind of strange. <laughs> First of all, I couldn't wrap my head around I, I couldn't even listen to what he was saying, because it just blew my mind thinking of a Luke with dark hair. Yeah, well, and it's so much hair, he has no eyes. <laughs> it's like a Luke that's just a mouth. Robbie Benson was rocking some serious 70s hair. So much 70s hair, the 60s hair came with it. <laughs> He had like two decades of hair coming out of his head. He's kind of like the Donnie Marie show, Luke Skywalker, kind of a little bit. It's interesting because he's almost a more, he's like a cocky Luke as opposed to the... Innocent. Yeah. Naive. Well, I'm not going to take you on an impossible search across the galaxy. I was hired to bring you here. Now you're here. Give me my other 5,000, I'll let you off on the nearest system. You can't. We've come this far. We've got to find them. Why? Well, one of the reasons. Yeah. We don't have your other five thousand. What? Well, who's gonna pay me? I think there are a few things we ought to talk about. So up next, we've got someone called Carrie Fisher. Yeah, she did okay. <laughs> 
where it's it's very much like Mark Hamill. As soon as you see her come out, you're just like, well, yeah, this is the best. She rolls that Lucas speak off like it's no problem. When R2 has been safely delivered to my forces, you get your award. What? You have my guarantee. What's the little droid carrying that's so blasted important? The plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Our only hope in destroying it is to find its weakness, which we will determine from the data I stored in R2. We captured the plans in a raid on the Imperial shipyards, but we, we fell under attack before I could get the data to safety, so I hid it in this R2 unit and sent him off. Yeah, and now where are you taking it? The fourth moon of Yavin. Fourth moon of Yavin. I've given the coordinates to Chewbacca. You know, it's it seems just natural to her. She's as condescending as Harrison Ford is back at Harrison Ford, which we ultimately get a lot of in the actual films where some of the other people don't really don't portray that well, I don't think, in the auditions. Harrison Ford is so good that you can tell he's just overpowering these poor 19-year-old kids that are auditioning for these parts. Yeah. That's a good point because, it, it, yeah, you definitely can tell because it kind of blew my mind. I knew how young all these people were, but it's just when they have them say their name and their age, it just kind of, you know, rubs in and it's like, man, they were really young. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie Fisher, 19. You know? And then, yeah, Harrison Ford's what? Ten years older than everybody? Something like that, yeah. I think he's 52 in, here in 75. <laughs> so let's talk about up next. We got Anne-Marie uh, Martin, who later went on to star in the Sledgehammer TV show, which I'm sure all of our listeners are familiar with. Um, the classic film Prom Night. She was in Halloween 2. And if that doesn't ring any bells for you, she was also in BJ and the Bear. All the hits. Poor Anne-Marie Martin. She's got no clue what she's reading. Data banks in the R2 unit are still secure. Well, then I figure that we're due the reward you offered. And I hope it'll be substantial, considering what we've been through already. When R2's been safely delivered to my forces, you get your reward. Got my guarantee. What's the little droid carrying that's so blasted important? The plans and specification to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Her hair is almost a match for Robbie Benson. (laughs) She could be Robbie Benson. It's kind of wild to think about if they had picked Robbie Benson in her, how much hair there would have been. It would have just been chins. (laughs) With the add Chewbacca in that mix and a whole lot of hair. Yeah, Yeah. Chewbacca would have had to have been bald. (laughs) Just to balance all that hair. (laughs) So up next is Linda Pearl. Everyone knows her from Mighty Joe Young from 1988. She was also in Matlock, and she had um, she was in several episodes of The Office. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, but Linda Pearl also just swallowed up by that Lucas speak. All the data banks in R2 are still secure. Great. Well, then I figure we're due the reward you offered, and I hope it's going to be substantial considering what we've been through already. When R2 has been safely delivered to my forces, you get your reward. You have my guarantee. What's the little droid carrying that's so blasted important? The plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. I think I kind of liked her, though, because she was very spacey, <laughs> like outer spacey. I don't know. She seemed she like she had that Star Warsiness to her. I could see that. Um, even though, yeah, her actual audition itself probably was not one of the better ones. But just her mannerisms and tone of voice and stuff, kind of. We fell under attack before I could get the daughter to safety. So I hid it in this R2 unit and sent him off. And where are you taking us now, anyway? The fourth moon of Yavin. I've given the coordinates to Chewbacca. Don't you understand? They let us go. They're going to follow us. They want to find your hidden bases. They're going to end up destroying the entire system. I know they'll follow. And they'll bring the Death Star. But our only hope is to destroy it before it destroys us. I could see her in a Star Wars movie. But it's tough, like Anne-Marie Martin and Linda Pearl, on this tape coming out right after Carrie Fisher. Because you just, it's tough. Yeah. You know, the craziest thing with her, though, is there's like dirt and, and grain and things on the film. And I don't know if you noticed that during when she's talking, I can't tell if it's a shadow or if it's 
dirt on the lens or something, but it looks like she's like her nose starts bleeding. <laughs> and at first I was like, oh man, she's having a rough audition. <laughs> she's just like starting to bleed from the nose. <laughs> but it's just like something to do with the lighting or something on the video. But yeah, it kind of freaked me out for a second. Do, 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 do you need a tissue? Yeah. I think she's using her uh, telepathy or something <laughs> to try to get the part. She knows the art of mind control. Yeah. So up next, we have a real standout one, Andrew Stevens. Now, we all know Andrew Stevens from the Munchie films. He was in Munchie 1, 2, and 3. He was also in um, the Brian De Palma movie, The Fury. But everyone knows him as the killer in 10 to Midnight. Now, 10 to Midnight is this Charles Bronson movie, but he has the outstanding role in that where he's a killer killing people, but he can only kill them when he's naked. So he's running around this town, buck naked, killing people. Charles Bronson has to track him down. Charles Bronson is a cop looking for a killer, and he's running out of time. Go ahead, take me in. You can't punish me. He's one angry man with someone to protect. Along with your father. Charles Bronson, Lisa Eilbacher, and Andrew Stevens in a Golan Globus production of a J. Lee Thompson film. Ten to Midnight. Andrew Stevens, that's what he went on to do. But he's not so good. No, he's not. He's, <laughs> he's not a very good Luke. <laughs> he seemed to me like... Like the jock bad guy in every '80s like fraternity movie. Yeah, like he accidentally walked into the wrong audition. <laughs> Would have taken a thousand starships with more firepower than I've ever seen to do something like that. Uh, if the Empire had a weapon that was capable of doing that, I'd heard about it. I'd know something. Well, now you know the enemy is on the move, and we haven't much time. Well, what? I brought you here. Now what? We have to find the rebels. What we're carrying belongs to them. Oh, great. Well, their bases are very well hidden. All the power of the Empire can't find them. Do you know where they are? No. No. Not anymore. We've come this far, and we must find them. Why? For one reason, I don't have your other 5,000. <laughs> that night, he went out with his friends. They're like, oh, how'd your tryout go, Andy? The director was a weenie. The director was this little guy wearing a sweater and glasses. He didn't talk. He just stared at me. Or I think that was Carrie Fisher said during that time, George Lucas wasn't making eye contact with people. so Just hiding in the back. <laughs> I can only imagine you come in and you read this nonsense. And your director, maybe you're like, oh, yeah, I saw American Graffiti. That was a great movie. That's the guy that directed it. It's this guy that won't make eye contact yeah. with me. <laughs> he was probably wearing like a ghost costume. He just had a sheet with two eye holes cut out of it. <laughs> like, where's the director? He's the sheet over there. <laughs> so up next is Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell was great. He's great. Like I, Kurt Russell as Han Solo, I was just like, I see it. I believe it. I think the only thing he had against him is he was a little too young for, he was almost like a little too young for Han and a little too old for Luke, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Because I think he kind of nailed the Luke part, too. And I like that Kurt Russell, for Han Solo, he's kind of doing his, like, Jack Burton, John Wayne imitation kind of a little bit. He kind of slips yeah. into a little bit of that, you know? Yeah. What we're carrying belongs to them. Yeah, their bases are very well hidden. I mean, all the power of the Empire can't find them. Do you know where they are? I'm not going to take you on any impossible search across the galaxy. Look, I was paid to bring you here, and now you're here. So I'm just going to take my other 5,000, and you're on your own. Yeah, but you can't do this. Look, we've come this far. We've got to find them. I wasn't thinking about that, but that's a good idea. Oh, wait a minute. She's an Alderan. It's impossible. Nobody, I mean nobody, ventures anywhere near the Alderan system. Alderan? Doesn't he say Alderan? <laughs> yeah. I ain't taking you to Alderan. Yeah. Which is great. Um, I, you know, I was wondering who the guy that Kurt Russell is doing a lot of his readings with is. And I... Almost wondering if that's Ad Rock from the Beastie Boys. <laughs> it's not Jason Schwimmer from Friends. <laughs> yeah, whoever he was, I felt bad for him because he's actually acting really good <laughs> as far as reading the lines and emoting, but just his 
voice and look is so far from what you think of Luke. Yeah. <laughs> that it was just like he was doomed from the start. <laughs> I started tripping out, though, just thinking, like, man, what if Kurt Russell did get the part? And what if they made, like, The Force Awakens and it was Kurt Russell back as Han Solo? I don't know. I just really started going crazy thinking about that. Like, hmm. Well, and that's, I guess, you know, with some of these people, yeah, I could picture, you know, watching this. I could have pictured the movies with Kurt Russell as Han. And it didn't seem too weird, other than a younger Han is kind of a different dynamic. When you know that the Star Wars is coming out, do you, do you ever think, like, what would have happened in my life if I had been in that franchise? No, you got to understand, you look back on stuff, it's like, I, by the way, Star Wars is the one that gets picked out because it's a YouTube thing. Sure. Yeah. I did, I did. You know, like Jennifer, I've done fifty of those things that were movies that that you that you'd know, and and I just I remember that one on on Star Wars was a, a time when there was a Western show called The Quest that was out there, and they wanted me to do that, and uh, I had to answer them, and so I said to uh, George, when you know he was a really young guy, and I I you know I'd done these I'd read for Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, and he'd had a three or four other guys as well. He didn't know what combination he wanted. And so I said, you know, could, do you know if you're going to use me or not? And he said, I really don't. I'm not sure. And I said, I'm going to go take this Western. So whether or not he would have hired me, I don't know. Wow. But the idea that I would have turned down Star Wars, I didn't, I didn't turn, I wouldn't have turned down a soap commercial. Oh, yeah, I didn't think you'd turn down. So coming up next, we got William Pat, who starred in uh, Brian De Palma's Carrie. But most people know him as the, the greatest American hero. And he has the greatest American hair. Yeah. His hair. What is going on with this guy's hair? I think he's wearing a wig over his hair <laughs> and then another wig over that. There's a the, the, the handle of the mop you, is behind his back. You can't see it from the camera angle. I'm just glad I grew up in a period of time in the late 70s and early 80s because I can kind of remember going to the arcade and the Muskegon Mall and remembering that people like this existed at one period of time. <laughs> But it's real because if I, I feel like if I, you know, was born any time later and I watched this, I'd be like, no, people never looked like that. People never had hair that ridiculous. But they did. The two of them, him as Luke and Kurt Russell as Han, I thought was really good. And I could imagine the movies happening with those two. Yes. But I felt like Mm -hmm. William Cat is too old for Luke and Kurt Russell's too young for Han. And it's almost like, I feel like that's maybe what. Ruined their chances. Uh, it checks out again. There's no mistake. You can't find Organa Major? Well, I found it. It's just... It's just not there. Organa Major's been destroyed. What's left of it is contaminated. That's it there. God, look at those radiation readouts. It's impossible. I've never seen anything like it. The Empire must have gotten here first. The planet has been completely blown away. This would have taken a thousand ships with more firepower than I've ever seen. Well, if the enemy had some kind of new weapon that could do this i I, i'd have heard about it i'd I'd know something well now you know look at the enemy's on the move we don't have much time yeah well uh look i i brought you here so now what well we have to find the rebels what we're carrying belongs to them (laughs) their bases are very well hidden you know the power of the empire can't find them do you know where they are no not anymore well i'm not going to take you on an impossible search across the galaxy yeah i wrote that down too that they Almost had a good chemistry together, the two of them. Yeah, and just compared to how into it they are, they didn't seem, they weren't nervous, they weren't, they were really, uh, they're acting. Mm-hmm. And you get to see whoever's playing Han, you get to hear the line, I'm Freebooter Boy, over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I forgot about the Freebooter line, and oh, then, no. yeah, 30, 30 ones in, I was like, I never want to hear that again. No, no, yeah. I wish that would have stayed in the movie. Hey, there's always a uh, Han Solo movie. Yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. He's probably staring at himself in a mirror right now saying, I'm Freebooter, boy, over and over again. Hey, I'm a Freebooter. I'm not a revolutionary. So up next, we got guy Ed Greenberg, who you all remember from movies like Caveman, and he was also in Billy Jack, the amazing Billy Jack. He might have thought he had an in because he played um, Kit Pullman in American Graffiti. So he already had worked with Lucas, but I don't know, he's kind of weird. Ed Greenberg immediately reminded me of a guy that would have been working at 7-Eleven in 1979. Yeah, at least he's blonde. I wrote down in my notes just weird Luke. Empire must have gotten here first. 
the planet's totally blown away. It would have taken a thousand ships with more firepower than I've ever seen to do that. If the Empire had a new weapon, I'd have heard about it. I'd know something about it. Well, you know about it now. If the enemy's on the move, we haven't much time. Well, I brought you this far. What, what now? We've got to find the rebels. What we're carrying belongs to them. If they, if they, he could have played clone Luke. <laughs> Luke. He was a weird one. Oh, he just looks like, you know, a guy that would have been at a Kiss concert. Yeah. Just hanging out in the 70s, just chilling out. Maybe he had a van. He had some Zeppelin records in his van, you know. So kind of after that, things get really weird. Where yes. we've got we got Perry King, who we all know from the hit show Riptide, right? <laughs> in yeah. the classic movie, 19, class of 1984. You've all seen it. Perry King, reading as Han, and Charles Martin Smith from American Graffiti, the untouchable star man, reading as Luke. It checks out. There's no mistake on that. You can't find Organa Major? Oh, I found it. It's just not there. Organa Major's been destroyed? What's left of it is contaminated. Look at that. Look. Look at the radiation readouts. I've never seen anything like that. I mean, that's impossible. What is going on? The Empire must have gotten here first. Yeah, and this is where you kind of, if you're watching this full 90-minute thing, there's about an hour of, you're like, okay, and then it just kicks into overdrive at the end here. (laughs) (laughs) You just get into the wild stuff where it's hard. You think about, you know, if 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 any of these people actually were cast in the movies, what that alternate universe is like. (laughs) It's a universe where maybe you don't like Star Wars anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There is no Blast Points podcast. Right. What would you be doing right now? Yeah, I'd be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't even, some of these guys like Kurt Russell or William Cat. you can kind of look at them and kind of visualize them as Han or Luke. And But these guys just look like two guys getting ready to challenge each other at Donkey Kong. I do like the idea of, of Han, uh, Han with a mustache, though. Yeah, I was into that, too. I like with them, though, because it's like they really look like they're just watching. They like watching a movie and talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Just like imagining they're looking at a screen. Maybe they're just staring at George Lucas with a ghost sheet over his head. (laughs) I'm not really here. So coming up next, we got Amy Irving. She's reading as Leia. And I don't know, Gabe, I liked her as Leia. Yeah, I thought she was a good Leia, too. I think having almost Leia hair helped. Some of her line delivery, maybe I'm crazy, but it kind of reminded me of Padme. Yeah, I could see that. All the data banks in our two are still secure. Well, then I think we ought to talk about the reward that you offered us. And it better be a good one, too, after all that I've been through. When our two has been safely delivered to my forces, you'll get your reward. Mm-hmm. You have my guarantee. Well, what is that little droid carrying anyway that's so blasted important? The plans and specifications to a battle station with enough firepower to destroy an entire system. Our only hope in destroying it is to find its weakness, which we will determine from the data I stored in R2. Yeah, I thought she was good. She was probably one of my favorite alternate Leia's. Who is the guy that was Han? Christopher Allport, who everyone remembers from the Jack Frost films. And he's also was in the soap opera Another World, okay. which I'm sure all of our listeners watched. He's not so good. No, he's basically Han Solo as a jerk. <laughs> he's like super jerk Han Solo. And then he's smoking an unlit cigarette or something. I wrote down in my notes. Just weird. Yeah, I wrote down in my notes Han Solo on cough medicine. <laughs> yeah. All the data banks in our two are still secure. Then I think we ought to start talking about the reward. Better be a good one, too, after all that I've been through. When R2 has been safely delivered to my forces, you'll get your reward. Mm-hmm. You have my guarantee. Up next is my favorite one, Frederick Forrest, who had been in a bunch of Coppola movies. He was in Apocalypse Now. He was in The Conversation. He's reading as Han Solo, and he does his whole audition with a Band-Aid under his eye. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's like Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead 
as Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, he's like rough Solo. <laughs> what's, what's this little droid uh, carrying that's so blasting important anyway? <laughs> but I was really kind of into it because I'm like, okay, this is something totally different. Yeah, at least if you're going to get a different feel, he is a different feel. <laughs> it's I almost felt like he has like he, as I'm trying to remember in other things he's in, like does he just always play that same character? I don't know how he couldn't, because <laughs> it's just kind of like he came in. And he's like, hey, this is what I do, and I'm going to read these lines. <laughs> the band aid, though, I just kept staring at that band aid. So coming up next, you got Shirley herself from Laverne and Shirley. She was also in American Graffiti. Cindy Williams. Now, I liked her as Leia. Yeah, she's got the the spunk. It just, I felt bad for her, though, because she's reading with Frederick Forrest, who's basically yelling at her through the whole audition. Well, you know, they, they let us go. They're, they're following, they let us go. They, they've been following us. And they, they, they want to find your hidden bases. You think they'll I don't know that? They'll destroy the system. I know that. Yeah. I know that, and they'll bring their Death Star. Our only hope now is to destroy it before it destroys us. Yeah. Frederick, just turn it down. Yeah. Just a little bit. But that maybe that, you know, that contributed to her coming across as a good Leia because she had to be a little more forceful than some of the earlier mellow Leias. Yeah, it's true. I would be freaked out. If Frederick Forrest was yelling at me with that Band-Aid under his eye. And you, you're reading about Alderain. Alderain. <laughs> should be a country song. Yeah. Alderain. They blew up Alderain. Rain. <laughs> Never going to be the same. <laughs> Alderain's a peaceful system. We have no weapons. <coughs> I wish yeah. Peter Cushing would have sang country songs. We can dream. <laughs> There's still time. Somebody call up Guy Henry. Put a yeah. cowboy hat on him. It's true. Dear John Noel. Uh, I have one wish. <laughs> so up next, we've got Will Seltzer, who I'm sure you all remember from the hit movie The Wizard, the Super Mario 3 movie. He was in Johnny Dangerously. You all remember that. And he was in more American Graffiti, the sequel to American Graffiti that no one saw. That made 30 cents yes. or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's reading as Luke Skywalker. He's an interesting guy, right? <laughs> yeah, it gets really wild. Um, for like the first few minutes, too, I, I kept thinking it was Lance Henriksen. <laughs> And then I just couldn't figure out what was going on with his hair or his head. <laughs> he looks like he just killed somebody and he's on the run and he ran into the American Zoetrope studio where they were doing auditions because he looks nervous. He looks sweaty. Right. Yeah, the cops are walking around and he's got to convince everyone that he's really there for the audition and not. <laughs> I wrote down in my notes, Scuzz Luke. Yeah. <laughs> it's Luke Scuzzwalker. Luke Scuzz, Scuzzwalker. You can't find Organa Major? I found it. It's just not there. You mean Organa Major's been destroyed? What's left of it's contaminated? There it is there. Use the comb, Luke. <laughs> but, you know, I could almost see him being Luke in all the films. They would have been, like, way more sci-fi. <laughs> Like, he could totally pass for an alien. It's true. Closing things out on the tape, though, as a final hurrah, you got Frederick Forrest and Will Seltzer reading together as Han and Luke. The planet's been totally blown away. I mean, it would have taken a thousand ships with a lot more firepower than I've ever seen. If the Empire had a new weapon that could do that, I'd know about it. I'd know know something. Well, now you know. The enemy's on the move, and, and we don't have much time. Well, I brought you here. What now? Well, well, we have to find the rebels. I mean, what we're carrying belongs to them. <clears throat> the bases are very well hidden. All the power of the Empire couldn't find them. It's a very different kind of Star Wars right there. Last but not least, there is, what, a shot of Lucas in a totally sweet sweater. <laughs> 
<laughs> finally at the end, yeah, the man comes out behind the curtain. Okay. Yeah, that was, like, that, that was good. Yeah, that was good. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Okay, take care. It was nice to... Uh... Thank you very much. Nice to meet you. Thanks. Thanks, George. Sure, thanks, Fred. <clears throat> It's like a Charlie Brown shirt. <laughs> and you know, weirdly, that's the same sweater. Do you remember the photos of him with like a prototype R2-D2? You're right. He's wearing that same sweet sweater. It's his Star Wars thinking sweater. <laughs> that's my, and then, my magic sweater I put on to think. Yeah, and if you have the um, the J.W. Rensler book, too, if you open up the the part that has to do with these auditions, there's... Several awesome photos of Lucas and his sweater, his thinking sweater. They need to re-release those. We need the Lucas clothing line. <laughs> I'm ready. We've been mm-hmm. saying it for years. The Lucas flannel shirt. Lucas flannel shirts, Lucas sweaters. You could get Lucas sneakers that come like already dirty. That's all I would wear. Yeah. If you're on vacation and you want to wear the Lucas floppy hat. Mm-hmm. Let's go to JCPenney and get the Lucas George Lucas collection. I would order all the flannel shirts. When I buy flannel shirts, when I, I like go to a store to get them, in my mind I think, what's the most Lucas one? So it's then true. when I'm so then if I have to go out and like a fancy dinner or something, and I wear a button-up flannel shirt, in my mind I'm thinking I'm still wearing a Star Wars shirt. True story, folks. And, well, <laughs> and you can justify, you know, if if you don't think the shirt's dressy enough, it's like, well, George Lucas would wear it <laughs> out for dinner. <laughs> So, so why can't I? So head over to our Facebook page, watch the audition tapes. Let us know who your favorite is. Who do you think would be a good combo? Let us know. We want to hear what you think. It's the Star Wars Land Speeder. Wow! figures each sold separately. The Landspeeder has a snap-open space hatch, and Star Wars action figures R2-D2 and C-3PO fit right in back. Hurry, they're fancy! Activate spring glide wheels! The Force goes with us! Yeah! Kenner's Star Wars Landspeeder. Action figures each sold separately. So, Gabe, we don't have any new iTunes reviews this week. I don't even know what to do with myself. I know. (laughs) So... Loyal listeners, you should help us solve this problem for next week. After you're done listening to this episode, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, write something awesome, and we'll read it on the next show. Send us some stuff to read. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So, Gabe, there's a bunch of other ways in between shows people can contact us, though, right? Yeah, you can get get a hold of us on Facebook, on the website, blastpointspodcast.com, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, you can send us good vibes. Yeah, we're into that. <laughs> if you think really hard about some show <laughs> suggestions. If you know the art of mind control, mm-hmm. maybe you can tr- control our minds, maybe. You might, you might not get anything from us, but... <laughs> You can try. Who knows? You can try. Yeah. But I was just thinking about Star Wars. Yeah. Alderaan. Uh If you have any uh, other ways to pronounce Alderaan, 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 Aldrin, send them over. (laughs) Yeah. And next week, we're going to be talking about uh, the last book in the Aftermath trilogy, Empire's End. Ooh. Yep. It's going to be exciting. Got some stuff to talk about. You can probably guess what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. What could it be? <laughs> what would we have to talk about with that book? Hmm. Well, t- tune in for that next week. But, um, yeah, on behalf of episode 62 here, thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. See you next time. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. 
May the force be with you. She's an Alderaan. No one even ventures near Alderaan. May the force be with all of you. 